0: Welcome to The Post Show. I'm John the Video Guy. On today's episode, I am joined with Emmy Award-winning writer Alex Michaels. Alex is a passionate filmmaker in Northeast Ohio, and his mission is to provide artists and independent filmmakers with the tools they need to become successful in the industry. He does this through his company, Prelude to Cinema. You may have heard of them. You can check them out at prelude2cinema.com. That's with the number two. And I also added links into the show notes below. So go ahead, feel free to check them out while you listen to this podcast. He is very active and busy making things happen. So we are honored to have him for the next 20 minutes or so talking about his ideas in the film industry. So without further ado, please help me welcome Alex Michaels to the show. Alex, welcome to the show
1: hi how
0: are you great how are you doing
1: uh, i don't know i have to check my schedule to see how i'm doing i got so much stuff going
0: on yeah you've been busy lately alex and i really appreciate your time here today to take a few moments and talk about filmmaking in your career so
1: thanks for joining me here today oh sure always happy to you know a piece gravo to the press
0: So I wanted to start here today by talking a little bit about your backstory. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you got started in the filmmaking industry?
1: Oh, God. Um, I really didn't want to get into filmmaking. Short story, I was a writer and um, I had a story that I wanted to do. And I worked at a hospital and was going through some issues and stuff and everything, you know, with say short, sure, I wanted to do this like little romance story and Spike Lee was doing movies and everything and I always wanted to do I just wanted to write. So um and that filmmaker here was called Robert Banks and stuff, you know. And he was actually shooting film, I mean said Lloyd, you know, and everything. And so um he connected with another guy I worked with called Greg and stuff, and he was gonna direct and he did storyboards, you know, drawings of the movies and everything. And then he dropped out. So I didn't want to let the movie die. So I said, well, okay, I'll direct. And so I got into uh, directing. You know, I did stage plays at Kiramu and um, that is the long story of like, well, the short story of like how I got into directing, but didn't want to direct.
0: So out of that, how did you start your company, Prelude to Cinema?
1: I was had dreams of like a Hollywood studio, and I stayed like the old movie studios and how they used to do things and. So I knew that I had to learn the business thing. So a lot of years of studying business and I'm still studying business and just kind of like modeling after the old studios where they were like, you know, shape stars and directs and direct stars and have this whole thing of turning out movies. And Prelude to Cinema actually was a corporation, Prelude Productions. And then I had to do a website. So... I couldn't put that long on the website and it didn't say what the company did. So these magazines, like uh, business to business and stuff, with the number two. So I decided to do Prelude to Cinema. I actually was going to do Prelude to Film, but I want to do, I thought Cinema would be better because things are going more in the digital thing and then Cinema encompasses everything. Although I shot in film, you know, Cinema is like for everything that didn't even exist. I never imagined I'd be shooting like in cell phones right now, but, you know, It's still cinema.
0: Cool. So can you tell us a little bit about what your company does for artists?
1: Oh, actually, right now we're getting ready for um, Accelerate as a pitch competition from the Cleveland Leadership Center. And we're launching um, a new site called Black City P2C, which will be a social network, but it's also a sales platform. So the idea is to teach artists that it's not just about the fame and everything, it's about how to make money from your art and your movies. And as part of it, we're going to have a fund where artists can tap into the money so that they can actually have it to hire people to hire themselves and do everything. Because I know a lot of um, filmmakers and I'm one of them in the beginning, uh, they do like these great movies and everything and yet they won't think about how to make money from it. And they'll have to work their day job because they're not making money from their art. You know, and then they're like start slamming Hollywood movies and say, oh, that terrible, you know, big budget Hollywood movie. But yeah, that's that's their budget. That's how they make their money.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to go a little deeper in that. How to make filmmaking a full-time job? Because like you mentioned, you have to have like a full-time job and then do filmmaking on the side. But can you talk about how to sustain this as a full time career?
1: Well, with me right now, I because I, I study for a bunch of years on things and I have some money saved if I actually own my house and everything. So, uh, print stuff is my full time job. And I have a partner, um, Francesco DiGiantonio, who works in the business aspect. So, uh, that's the good thing to always get a partner who knows the business aspects of things and to treat it like a business too, where I quit crazy summer we do like this tv show out of darkness cleveland and when i was coming with the, the idea for the show i thought of how television makes money so even though i was being artistic with the show i also think of a business model who would make money so because the crime sci-fi show we write we wrote sponsors into the show they paid for the show and we got them exposure so they were like um can you get on tv because back in the day, not too long ago, everything had to be on TV, you know, streaming wasn't like that big. And so I said, yeah, I can guarantee you'll be on TV. And I did because we bought the airtime. So it's a matter of dealing with uh, the creative aspects of it too, but also figuring out a business model where you can make money off of what you do. And then also having um, fans for it, because we have fans like all over the world for the show, but then, you have to tell people that like not everyone's gonna like your stuff, which is okay, as long as you have like your core set of fans and you can reward those fans, and also your sponsors are your fans too. So you have to find people who like what you're doing. Like her first sponsor was Lucy Sweet Surrender. They were a bakery, and the guy had been on what was it? he had been on television, so he knew the power of how you know TV can you know enhance your bakery and stuff too. You know, it can enhance your business and keep you out there and stuff. You know, he been on the Food Network and he wanted to support small business. So that's the connection you make.
0: Yeah. And you're talking about TV, but, you know, what's hot right now is streaming. And I know you're an old fashioned DVD type of guy. And I kind of want to get your take on streaming. Do you think streaming is an advantage or a disadvantage to new artists that are trying to promote their movies and get their work out there?
1: Oh, the streaming question. I read a lot of things in the High Reporter, uh, which everyone should read if you're in the industry. And it was talking about how uh, artists are upset that Warner Brothers decided to put their whole, put most of their movies on streaming because when it goes to the theaters, they can make money that way. And, you know, if you have profit sharing. The artists can share in the profit sharing stuff. But when it goes to streaming, it's hard to, like, tell if you're making money. You know, because the the company's making money, like HBO Max, they're making money in subscribers, but the individual movies aren't making money. If you have a movie in a the theater, a uh, friend like that movie here at theater, you can tell the ticket sales and you can tell the money coming in from that particular movie. But if you, your movie's part of a streaming network, then you're just one little, you know, movie there going, in, and you're not making money off of that one movie. So there's a lot of... And then, too, there's... Uh, there's stuff that's online that shouldn't be online, you know, that copyright thing. But you can really find anything online and stuff. And so you're not going to make money if you just focus solely on the streaming. So with Predecemma, we can did the Disney business model where they make money off of the toys and the merchandise and, you know, the clothes and the books and stuff. Something tangible. You have to have something physical that people can't download to make real money from what you're doing, and you have to be able to get and if you can get sponsors in, like what we do out of darkness. Um, it's out of darkness, Cleveland. I used to be just out of darkness, different show, uh, kind of the same show we but we got money from the sponsors. So, as long as you find a way to make money off of it, you can. But if you're going to be allowed to stream, you're not really going to make money. And then YouTube just changed their parameters where they can put your money out, they can put your movie out. And they can make money, but you really don't make money. And you know, you have oh, you have ten million views, but you're not making a dollar.
0: So, Out of Darkness, Cleveland—that was the movie, correct? And then you no, well, the show
1: a complicated story. Okay, Out of Darkness was a television show based off a movie I wrote that got Emmy for with Angel Sphere. And it was just ran a couple of episodes, and then we had this big thing to do more episodes, but we didn't get more money and everything, and cast went away and so we kind of we rebooted it as out of darkness cleveland although we have to do some different things with the casting thing because you know we got shut down when the whole world got shut down a while back you know and i love my cast but sometimes it's hard to keep people together when you're um not able to shoot on a regular continual basis you know so yeah but it's the same show and then we're going to actually do a comic book version of the show of some of the original scripts and everything. So it's a television series, but then there's a movie version of it, and this whole little thing. It's a whole little word. So where can people go to watch Out of
0: Darkness, Cleveland? Because, like you said, you need to post it somewhere where people can't just download it.
1: So where can people go to watch it? Um, Well, at prelude 2 uh the number two. Uh, we're going to have our movies out, and then we're going to put movies on... We're going to put movies on DVD, too, but they will have the merchandise with it, too, and everything. And I would love to say that maybe this year, if possible, we'll put one of our movies out in a theater. And, you know, We only have big theater, but you know, I I have had movies in theaters before, and it's like ours is the to see your name of the marquee. But at the same time, though, you just want to build that fan base. And so sometimes you have to like let people... Just go see your movie free online streaming, which kind of goes against the business thing. But it's hard to really make money from just streaming. Like I was saying before with YouTube, you have, you know, you have, you might have like 100 million views, but they're giving you a couple of dollars for the, you know, for that and stuff. So you're not going to make any money if you just have the movie out there. You have to have the merchandise and the toys and the fans and such.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about the user experience now or the viewers watch experience, because now that we're in streaming, everyone's, you know, at home watching movies on their phones, on their TVs. I want your take as a writer and a director's point of view on the difference in the experience of going into a theater and watching it at home. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Okay, um... I did a movie called Blood Kiss, and it showed in the theater. Actually, first time it showed, it showed overseas, so I never got to see it overseas. But then it showed here, and at a festival, and I was able to like to go in and watch the people's faces when they saw the movie, you know. And you don't get that kind of communal thing where, you know, sometimes you're you're watching the people as they're watching. I did theater before, and it's watching the movie that you put out It's kind of like almost like a theatrical experience because there's that live thing of seeing people's faces and seeing what they laugh at, what they don't laugh at, what they get shocked by, you know, and you, you're you not going to have that if you're sitting at home, watching. And then there's always disruptions, you know, if you're at home, if the movie's playing on the screen, you can't all of a sudden get up and go out and do something or, you know, the phone rings and such, you know, there's, but by the same token though, some movies aren't made for the, the big screen, like some movies don't have like when they block because we had like i made sure it was like uh, a box, and it was shot in a way that was more cinematic and stuff. Uh, some things are made for TV, and so there's some movies I've seen at theaters that aren't made for theaters, you know. But then again, they have some movies that are made for theaters. I remember seeing like, um, oh, Lawrence of Arabia. One them, but it's a great scene where this guy's in the desert and he has to go save him and stuff. And so at one point you see like the vast desert, you see this little bitty figure walking out of the desert becoming bigger and bigger, and this Lawrence Arabia carrying this guy and such and everything. And it's a great scene, but if you see that on the TV, I don't care how big a TV you have, it doesn't have the same feeling, or the same rush of emotion and such. So I hope that we're able to get back into theaters soon.
0: Yeah, those are good points, Alex. And thanks for that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the struggles of filmmaking, you know, budgets, obviously one that we covered, but what are some of the other struggles, um, in the filmmaking process that you can share with us?
1: Oh, well, this is where it gets kind of, um, weird. I, I act in movies sometimes. so I have to deal with the cast and such in a more personal intimate level and such and everything. So, um, and I say this all with all due respect, all actors have egos, you know, filmmakers have egos. I have egos and stuff. And so trying to deal with, you know, what is basically an emotional business. You know, I mean, you had a while back where um, Dave Chappelle was offered like $100 million to continue a show, but he didn't want to do it. People's like, how could you turn a $100 million? But the reason he didn't want to do it is because they wouldn't let him do the show that he wanted to do. So people make decisions based on their emotions. Like I had one actor one time... Um, He was worried about, like, how his hands would look on the big screen, you know? And I'm like, dude, seriously? We're trying to make him over here. Actors act, directors direct, and if you can't take direction, I don't care who you are, you're not going to be in the business. And so the guy didn't want to play the character the way I want him to play the character. It was a tough, uh, at one part, the guy was a tough marching part, but then one part, he had to beg this girl to come back to him and stuff, and he didn't want to beg a girl. And I'm, like, thinking, that's the part of the character. You have to do that. And the, the girl, she was actually the star of the movie. And he wasn't. So he went. So it was this whole big emotional kind of thing. That happens on every single movie, even though you have, I don't care what your budget is, you're gonna have problems with the actors, the directors, the creative differences. And so that can really like sideline a movie. You know, even if you have the money and the budget and the sponsors and such, you know, you can have someone say, Well, you know what? I don't wanna do this part here or something, or this doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Creative differences are definitely a thing. All right. Uh, One last question. Uh, We're coming up on our time here and it's the big one, Alex. I know you're really passionate about making Cleveland into a Hollywood place, you know, making films here in Cleveland. And I'm curious, how do you see that aspect growing here in Cleveland or in Northeast Ohio? Oh,
1: so that was a dangerous question here. Um, Well, we had a film commissioner and then we don't have one. And, So I'm actually going to talk to some of the people I know about trying to be the film commission because I have a different aspect of how I want to do things here. And I think that while on one level, the film commission did some great things and such, you know, on another level, it was just like seeing us as a location for Hollywood and coming here to shoot. And then when you had the thing where productions were shooting, shutting down, you didn't have them coming to locations, then everything falls apart. So there hasn't been like, support of the independent filmmakers, the way you have support of the Hollywood filmmakers and such, you know. And they also have the tax credit. We have a tax credit here. And it's like, oh, the tax credit, the tax credit. But the reality with the tax credit is that it's not built for independent filmmakers. I actually know a guy um, on a podcast thing, they got a tax credit for You know, but they do a lot of, they do like tons of podcasts. You know, like I got to connect with them. And so with the tax credit First of all, you have to have $300,000. Your project has to be $300,000. And secondly, you might, you will spend a couple of thousand sometimes applying for it. And there's no guarantee you'll get it. And also you'll be in competition with, you know, Hollywood and Avengers and stuff, you know? So if I have a budget of $300,000 and I still spend like a couple of thousand for the tax credit, if Marvel comes back and does a film, and they should, then I'll be in competition with Marvel. And between you and me, I would give the money to Marvel, okay? Because they're a big studio. So that whole thing is not set up for independent filmmakers. And so that's really the reason why Predjism exists, too, is because there isn't an avenue here where independent filmmakers can get budgets and resources and such that they need.
0: Very good. Thank you for that input. Sure. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Alex, for joining me here today. And uh, if people want to reach out or learn more about you or your company, how can they reach out and do that?
1: Um, Good question. No, just go to prelude2sigma.com have a little podcast that just started. And just follow because like I can say, like, you know, I have we have tons of stuff going on at the company. You know, we have stuff that we can't even reveal now. But, you know, the idea is just to connect with everyone out there, you know? And LinkedIn's good to connect with Facebook, you know, all the little social media stuff and everything,
0: yeah. All right, well, very good. Thank you for joining me here today on The Post Show, Alex.
1: Oh no, thanks for having me and I, I appreciate it and I hope this was helpful.
0: Awesome, that was great. I wanna thank Alex again. We really appreciate his time and his mission to advance independent filmmaking here in Cleveland. And I hope you found some value in our conversation if you are an independent filmmaker and wanted to learn a little bit more on where the industry is headed. If you like the podcast so far, please follow us and share it with people you believe can benefit from our conversations. You can also go to my website, johnthevideoguy.com forward slash to see all of our episodes. We look forward to talking to you soon.